Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy Rails tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Hello and welcome for the 200th time to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, happy 200 shows. Happy 200 shows. Can you name something else you've done 200 times? Just smoke pot. (laughs) (laughs) You've only smoked pot 200 times? No, more. More. Oh, more than 200 times. Yeah, that's it though. I mean, what else have we done? I mean, everything else has been like daily routine stuff, like brushing my teeth. Right. Washing my hair, I guess. Yeah, this is we've done a lot of episodes. And you know what? After our first episode, we had Justice Kennedy retiring and we got to 200 before Roe v. Wade was totally overturned. I feel like we triumph. (laughs) I think I think we both owe ourselves a celebratory root beer float today. Oh, I love a root beer float. I know. It's a a treat. Wait, but what kind of root beer? Uh, A&W. Me too! Oh, God, we were meant to be together. We were meant to be together. Here's to (laughs) 200 more episodes. 200 more. 200 more years. 200 (laughs) more. (laughs) This week, we're joined by Katie Turr, Naomi Ekparrigan, Kieran Deal, Grace Parajani, and Megan Gailey to take on the following questions. How can we commend a politician who spent so much of her career being on the side of evil? What's it like growing up on a helicopter? How much has the world changed in the last four years and what fresh hell awaits us? And why do so few of the anti-Pride event protesters look like they know basic personal hygiene? All this and more right now. All right, we have a really special jam-packed episode today with favorites that people who have been listening for a long time would definitely be excited about. Um, And we've got an interview with Katie Turr that I'm really Mm -hmm. excited about that was super fun. Um, But let's talk a little news before we get into the the back padding and the looking back and the soft focus lenses and the... I mean, it's our 200th. How can we not start with some... Some less than ideal news. Some less than ideal news because it's always less than ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody nobody tunes into the news and the headline is like, residents of Tampa are having a great day after nobody was hit by a car. Like, it's never, it's never that. No. Like, we've really no. reached the point where you just have to Google all the words in the news like, what's stagflation? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what is a basis point? Uh, it's just a it's a percentage point. It's just something. It's it's a made up. La- it's part of the like finance bro made up language that they yeah. use to justify the existence of their jobs. It's just another word for things that already exist. Just yes. so people know, most of most of uh, finance is that. Let's talk about Liz Cheney. Oh, Should we Liz. talk about Liz Cheney? Let's talk about Liz. So Liz Cheney is uh, has become, for better or for worse 
one of the faces of the January 6th investigation and certainly the face of the January 6th hearing. She's the person mm-hmm. that that seems to be registering um, the most with people. I just want us to kind of have a conversation about, like, the fact that we still know who she is. Mm-hmm. Even though she's doing the right thing, we still know who she is. And praising a person for doing the right thing after a lifetime of doing wrong things is not the same as endorsing that person forever. We are that endorsing. Is, we are not endorsing. But but in this world that is so upside down and full of people who can't find the right way to do something, uh, I mean, we're glad. Like, we're glad mm-hmm. she's on the right side of history on this one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we have forgotten that she's on the wrong side of history for a lot of things. But, like, you know how sometimes, like, if Mitt Romney or Susan Collins does something and we'll be like, yeah, thanks for doing the absolute minimum. This is, yep. like, more than that. You know what I mean? She's right. become the face of something. She's probably going to lose the primary for her House seat in Wyoming. Like, she's the one— person of the Republicans. Again, like not not canonizing her, but she's the one person for whom there will be real consequences most likely for doing the right thing. Right. And after she loses her house seat, she can go cry on her pile of money that will never, ever run out no matter what happens. She can go live in her fancy Wyoming lodge because I don't think the Cheneys live in houses. They live in like fancy lodges. Um, and, and, you know, she will be, she will be financially, nothing bad is going to happen to her except her not being in Congress anymore. And honestly, look, I respect public servants who are great at being members of Congress, but it sounds like a shitty job right now. It seems like a a shitty job. You have to share a bathroom with Lauren Boebert (gasps) and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I am almost positive both of them pee on the seat and don't make sure that it's clean before they— (laughs) Don't take a little piece of TP and clean up after themselves. No, absolutely not. Um, So, you know, she's not leaving— She's leaving a work environment that is rife with the worst possible coworkers. Right. And whatever. Liz Cheney will be fine. But I also think that, you know, if we don't take a minute to occasionally recognize people who are doing the bare fucking minimum— it reduces the actual incentive for people to do the bare fucking minimum. Very good point. Very good point. Not that Liz Cheney is like, we, I really need these feminist podcast hosts to think that this one thing that I'm doing is cool because Liz, you cannot sit with us. You can't. But if you want to think we're cool, that is fine. That is your prerogative. That is fine. If you want to slowly realize for the rest of your life that all of the work you did up until you were ousted from uh, party leadership in 2021, um, she was more in lockstep with Trump at that point, by the way, than the woman who ended right. up replacing her in in um, in Republican Party leadership, Elise Stefanik, um, who has gone insane. You mean after she ousted the woman who was her mentor? <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yikes. It's like a terrible remake of All About Eve. Totally. I mean, it's really something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do not want to watch a remake of All About Eve about these two people in politics because God knows giving people movies, giving DC people movies where Hollywood <sighs> people play them only encourages them to be ridiculous. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. We cannot make any more movies about things that happen in Washington because that's what they want more than anything else. They just want actors to play them in movies. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. It's like when they made that movie Too Big to Fail, I was like, 
Tim Geithner, you know you're not Billy Crudup, right? <laughs> I mean, even with even with the first ladies, when they had Michelle Pfeiffer as Betty Ford, I was like, really? I mean, Betty Ford isn't around to be like, hmm, I'm Michelle Pfeiffer, but still. Though, I gotta tell you, I, that's like one of the shows that I was like, hmm, I think I learned something. I didn't realize all those interesting things about Betty Ford. <laughs> yeah, she was an interesting ass lady. Um, okay, so Liz Cheney, we are glad that Liz Cheney is doing the right thing. Yeah. But we also see Liz Cheney for who she is as a, as a product of her life's work, which was, right. I think, um, in this Washington Post article I read around the time that she was ousted from leadership. She had an 80 rating from the Heritage Foundation. That's yeah. that's like, her- usually if the word heritage attached to things is just shorthand for bad. Right. Usually. It's, yeah. Agree. Slave owner, you know. Heritage. Yeah. Yeah. Slavey, conservative, bad. bad. So she was like, a you know, a, a, a very staunch, like, heritage conservative. And she wasn't her politics just suck. Um, but I'm glad she's doing the right thing on this. I think mm-hmm. that she's doing, I think she's doing a good job running the hearing. She is. I mean, she's, she's, she is impressive in, impressively in command of uh, the proceedings. Mm-hmm. And also, and this is going to sound catty, but like, this is a space where cattiness is acceptable, you know? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to get catty? Look, Liz Cheney shows that it is possible to have blonde hair as a Republican woman and not have it look like absolute dog shit, not have it look like your stylist hates you. Like it is possible to have a nice dye job. You know, she nice dye job. Good. Nice blowout, too. I mean, she's mm-hmm. really well quaffed. Yes, you can. You can be a Republican and also not look like your stylist is mad at you, which I think a, a lot of the other ones kind of do. <laughs> meow, meow. Meow. The episode. OK, um. Let's move on to something else. When I first saw this headline, I thought it was a joke. There is a tampon shortage. Tampon shortage. What do you know? There's a tampon shortage because of the supply chain, which has just become like this thing that people blame things on, but also is responsible for a lot of things. But I feel like it can't all be the supply chain's fault. Uh, A tampon shortage is putting a strain on consumers. Um, Basically, a lot of people who need tampons are having a hard time finding them in the store. The one thing that, like, jumped out at me in this article, aside from the fact that, like, come on, tampon shortage, is that it was also based on a shortage of, like, raw materials where they list cotton, rayon, and plastic. Now, I get plastic, the applicator, but rayon, I was like, need to check the ingredients in my tampons. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Minor rayon. organic cotton. But rayon was a bit of, a, I was like, mm, back up. What is, what is, where's the rayon come into play? Is it the string? I don't know. But you know, I'm, by next week, I'm going to have sorted this out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, there's a quote from a, uh, from Elise Joy, the executive director of Girls Helping Girls, period, which donates feminine hygiene products. It says, I see the supplies dwindling in the warehouse. We're okay for the moment for the next couple of months, given the supplies I have, but I don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the fall. Look, uh, this is just, there is no, there is no path forward if you menstruate or are, you know, it's possible to get pregnant. There's, if you're a woman, there's no path forward here that is not like, this is a pain in the ass. Like being, being a woman, having a period, was already just like a big fucking pain. 
It, why why do we keep leveling up on the bullshit? Like, do we make it to the end of a level and it's like, we beat the bullshit, boss. Time to do a harder level where there's like spinning fire wheels of bullshit and we have to jump over them like Mario. It like, is so one. I was really feeling the Mario before you even said it. Okay. Totally feeling the Mario vibes here. But also, like, I mean... I like to say it. I'm going to say it again. Aaron, I'm 46 years old. Have I not graduated past the point of having to consider things like we did in middle school where you're like, oh, my God, I got my period. Do I have to roll up toilet paper and put it in my underwear? Like, like, come on. Yeah. I mean, this this country, they're driving us to a point of just like free bleeding because on one hand, it's like. All right. Well, you know what? Not going to have a baby into this environment. This is a hellscape. Well, if and you then, do, there's no formula. <laughs> yeah. If you do, there's no formula. Um, if you don't and you get your period, there's no tampons. It's just like, what? what also, what? it's not just a tampon shortage. It's all the products except for the cup. I wonder if this is going to, I'm sorry, I'm putting this out into the universe, but I really hope this doesn't end up being an every type of personal absorbency product shortage. So like, what if we run out of diapers? What if this expands to like, it's a reasonable question. (laughs) Am I going to have to be one of those hippies that teaches my daughter how to like, like, oh my gosh, you know about this? We're like you. You hold the baby over a toilet and you're yeah. like, okay, go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. This is just a hellscape. I I, I can't. Uh, every it, It's almost one of those things that every time something new bad happens, I like laugh because I'm out of frowns. Well, because it's like in the grand scheme of things, is the tampon shortage the worst thing that's happening? It's not, but it's bad. Yeah, it's not good. And I think that with the tampon shortage, um, I think that we should be able to call off from work if we have our periods and there's no tampons available. Like you can in some other countries. Yeah. I mean, you can here, but you can't call in and be like, I've got my period. I'm not coming to work. You have to make up something. Right. And I don't want to lie. We've worked too hard. Why should I have to pretend like, oh, no, I have the flu. I don't have the flu. I have my period. There are no tampons. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Speaking of liars, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has something to say about this. And I don't like consistently the dumbest bitch in the game. She's so stupid. And like, you know, apologies to Jim Jordan, who is among the dumbest, and Louis Gomert, who is also extremely stupid. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene this week claimed on Monday that the tampon shortage is being fueled by tampons being placed in men's bathroom for transgender people. Mm-hmm. That is causing the shortage. Okay. How, mm, I have so many questions. I want to sit her down and be like, explain this. How widespread do you think this is? She's like, disturbingly, you know, when I was growing up, there were really two words you couldn't say. Hate, you can't hate anybody, and you can't call someone dumb and or stupid. She really is someone who I hate and is dumb and stupid. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that's uh, that would have gotten me in trouble as well in my house. But right? it's, it's true. She's really, really bad. 
Um, I just don't understand. I feel like we need to bring back shame. There was this real anti-shaming movement at a mm-hmm. certain, I wouldn't say like during the wild west of the aughts when I was working as a blogger in like 2013, where it was like, don't shame me for, you know, kink shaming was, you know, right. we don't kink shame. We don't, uh, we don't shame for this. We don't shame for that. We need to start stupid shaming. It stupid is, shaming feels in need because she has you, to stop. If you don't know something, like, look, there's nothing shameful about not knowing something and trying to find the answer to it, but there is something shameful about having no fucking idea what you're talking about and speaking on it as an authority. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that uh, that's the type of stupid shaming that we need to bring back. Marjorie Taylor Greene is... Oh, she's so stupid. I, I, like I said last week, I don't want to share a planet with her. I'm done. No. Um, okay, let's see. One more thing. Ohio law. There's a law in Ohio allowing teachers to carry guns in school after one day of training. Um, 24 hours of training. Maximum. New, That's the maximum you need. Here's, riddle me this. Mm. Why are lawmakers spending all this time Cutting teacher benefits, making it difficult for them to unionize, treating them like subhumans, treating them like glorified uh, babysitters when they're actually, you know, educated professionals who are who are like educating children who did who need to be surveilled, who may be grooming kids. You know, where f- people on the right are throwing all of this hate at teachers, and now they're like, "But let's give them guns." Let's give them guns and have them do what 19 armed police officers in Uvalde could not or did not do. Like, Aaron, this is some of the dumbest shit I have ever heard. And, you know, this is you and I have talked about this before. I am confounded by this because the head of the uh, Ohio Fraternal Order of Police was on CNN this week talking about what a terrible idea this is. And I just want to know where all of the police unions are on gun safety and why they don't come out and say, like, in support of things that they're clearly in support of, because, like, this is just going to keep happening. This isn't going to make anybody safer. Like, the teacher's number one, like, job in these, you know, trainings that they go through is like, take care of the kids. They have to go through all the protocols. And then what? They go grab their gun and hope that whoever comes through the door is the shooter. I mean, it's like, it's it's one of the most fucking insane non-solutions to a terrible problem I've ever seen. I would be cool with teachers being intensely trained in like sword play. Uh, jujitsu. Okay. Any like no, but like a sort like I mean, here's the thing. Like thought, let's do a thought experiment. Would any police officers be cool with all the teachers being handed a machete, like a giant ass machete, and you hang up the machete in your classroom because a machete can can do damage, but it can't do as much damage as a gun. So like, why are we cool with something that can be used to hurt so many people? but not like a giant fucking machete. <laughs> it's just, it's patently absurd. Why not? I don't know. Give teachers classes in welding so they can take the windows down in their classrooms and get kids out of the classroom. I don't know. There are so many other creative solutions here if this is where we're going. Then like, here is a gun. It's on you now. Good luck. 
You know, especially yeah. when you have like the teacher in Uvalde who survived, who was shot and survived. And he just he's blaming himself and hoping the parents aren't mad at him. Like, why are we putting this added pressure on teachers to be like, you know what? You're fully the front line of defense now. Like they're the front lines on everything. But like, here's your gun. So fucking mm-hmm. dumb. Yeah, I mean, and I, I want to touch on one more story because it's it's June, it's Pride Month. Right. And this is like a, a crappy story, but I think it it reminds people that like, you know, um, it's not like gay people got the right to marry and now you can buy rainbow shirts at Target and now everything is fine. Right. Because everything isn't fine. People who are members of the LGBTQ uh, movement, people who are LGBTQ are still targeted disproportionately uh, for violence and hate. And an example of that is that there have been pride events targeted by right-wing groups. Uh, this past weekend, there were multiple incidents across the country where right-wing groups attacked pride events. On Saturday, Proud Boys heckled a drag queen doing a children's reading event uh, in Northern California. Um on Sunday, a senator, uh, a state senator who's gay, received an email with death threats, uh, had to have bomb-sniffing jobs. Che- or, sorry. He had to have bomb-sniffing dogs check his home. Um, there's also this account on t- TikTok, Libs of TikTok, which just sends six people after um, LGBTQ people. And uh, it's Gross. It's going to end with somebody getting very badly hurt. And um, well, and you know what just happened in Baltimore before we came on the on to record? Three houses burned down because uh, people set their pride flags on fire that were hanging from their porches and the houses burned down. So way to go. Way to go. That's I mean, that's yeah. I just want to issue a quick correction. Libs of TikTok is a Twitter account. Yeah, I was I was confused by that. Yeah, it's <laughs> Taylor Lawrence at from the Washington Post um exposed who this person oh, is. Oh yes, and, I remember. Yeah, and and all the right wing like lost their shit because they're like it's doxing and it's like mm. no, it's no, that's not a, a public figure does is not owed anonymity and nobody like gave away what her address is and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like a, it's just like this this creepy lady from what from Brooklyn? I think just a creep. Oh, it's just yeah. a random ass, a random ass creep who like ruins people's lives and and gets off on it. So, um, yeah. So happy Pride! Uh, if you have uh, Pride events in your in your city and you want to support members of the LGBTQ community, please do so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good month to do it. It's always a good month to do it, but especially this month is a good month to do it. Also, drag queen, like public library reading stuff. I would have loved that Whoa, shit as a kid. I agree. I mean, that is imagine the hungry, hungry caterpillar. <laughs> so oh much more gosh. flair. Oh my gosh. Uh, give me give me theatrics. Give me makeup. Give me hair. Drama. Give me a huge dress. I loved Miss Yvonne from Pee-Wee's Playhouse when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. She was like my favorite character. And I feel like her entire vibe was like meant to teach children about drag queens without actually a having a drag point. queen on That's TV. That's a good point. In the 80s. Um, but yeah, go to a, a drag queen book reading. I think that sounds so fun. I want to do it. I'll bring my baby. She'll freak out. <laughs> She'd love it. Baby loves that. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we have an interview with Katie Turr.
And welcome back. Today's guest is an NBC News correspondent, host of MSNBC's Katie Tur Reports, and a New York Times bestselling author. Her new memoir, Rough Draft, hit stores this week. Katie Tur, we're so happy to have you join us today on Hysteria. I am so thrilled to be here. And if you would like fries with that, I can also, <laughs> I can definitely get it for you. I love it. I would <laughs> like fries with that. And it is nine in the morning. I'm making a play if you're watching on my headset. I've got a very fancy 1992 headset on my on I was going to say, you look like you're 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 talking to us from a helicopter. Like this is part of the costume <laughs> as like the, the, the book tour. Part of the book publishing stick. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they forced it. They said you gotta, you gotta act the part, you gotta play the part, you gotta encompass it all. It's one of those book release parties where you're like, hmm, who came up with this idea? And everybody is wearing headsets. <laughs> it's like a silent disco. Okay, so let's get into the book. Um, holy crap, Katie! It is a <laughs> journey. Uh, it does not disappoint. <laughs> so you grew up being known as Bob Tur's kid. Your parents were Emmy-winning helicopter journalists, or like the original helicopter parents, maybe, if you will. <laughs> um, they pioneered covering news from the air. They were famously the first to broadcast the O.J. Simpson White Bronco Chase in 1994, among other iconic footage. Um, so in your new book, you talk about being the little kid in the helicopter hangar, entertaining yourself where your parents work, which is crazy. That sounds like a book series I would have checked out from the library in the 80s. You know, like, it would have been fun. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe that'll be my next book, the uh, children's version of it all. The lighter, happier children's version of it right. all. Right. I was going to say, there's a lot of stuff in here that is not for kids. Um, <laughs> you go into detail about your dad being a person who is both a brilliant, bold pioneer, but also kind of a nightmare person at other times. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the tug of war you felt between admiration for your dad and the pain that they caused you and your mom. So, and you're being very careful about pronouns. So let me give a, a disclaimer on pronouns. My dad in 2013 um, transitioned and my dad uh, was Bob before and is Zoe now. So when I'm talking about memories of the past, um, I, I, I will use the pronoun he just because that's the memory and that's how the story um, unfolded. And when I'm talking in the present, anytime after she came out to me, it will be um, she. So supportive of the transition. Uh, it's just meant to be clear about the history. Um, so, yes, my parents were helicopter journalists. They, if you saw the OJ chase in the 90s, if you saw the Reginald Denny beating, the guy that got pulled from the red gravel truck during the L.A. riots, if you saw any Malibu fire, any police pursuit, if you saw Madonna giving uh, a camera the finger, <laughs> that was footage that my parents shot. And it provided me with a extremely unique and vivid childhood. And it was awesome. It was really fun. I, I grew up in a helicopter. I was in a helicopter more than I was in my own bed. Um, I I could fly it when I was a little kid. I mean, I could hold the joystick. Did you fly it? <laughs> um, Did they let you? Yeah, I mean, my dad would. I'd sit up front and I'd hold the joystick. It was very fun, um, and I, and I felt special. I felt really special. But in addition to all of the excitement and the fun and the adventure, um, there was you know there was a little bit of violence and a lot of anger um, and uh, some pretty scary moments. So there were really high highs. And there were very low lows. And uh, I 
I detail in the book the confusion around trying to, how to remember my childhood, whether to embrace it and to love it or to push it away. And frankly, I mean, I, I've been running away from it. I moved to New York when I was 22. I, I mean, I just dropped everything and I got in a plane and I moved to New York. And I, I've only spent a few days back in LA every few years since then. And every time I go, I land and I'm filled with this flood of longing. And the second I get there, I feel anxiety and stress and I want to leave immediately. So I, can, I can't spend more than a couple days there at a time. And it's sad because I feel like I'm missing so much. And uh, it was time to confront it all, you know, to go back. What is uh, what does Jack say in 30 Rock? You got to go down into the crevasse, Liz, <laughs> in order to come back up. That was me. And so I went back and I, I confronted and I um, tried to understand all the violence alongside all of the adventure. And there was a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like it was a very candid and honest look at the confusion that a person would feel having like admired somebody, but also been afraid of them, you know? Yeah. And and that that's just not really a mixture of emotions you see depicted because it's so gray area, you know? But it's, but it is, a, it's, it's emotions and confusion, that gray area, a lot of people live with it, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not unique. And I think that you grow up being being ashamed of it or being scared to talk about it because somebody will think you're weird, you know. And I've had I've had that happen, you know. I've had boyfriends whose families were you know, <laughs> really great, you know. They they literally grew up in a pick behind a picket fence, and their the parents were still married. They had Thanksgiving dinners where nobody fought or stormed out or threw things. And I remember feeling lucky to be there and 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 being envious of all the happiness, but also feeling deeply uncomfortable because it was so unfamiliar. Like I was a fraud at the table. Um, And, you know, the book has only just come out, but I've already gotten a bunch of notes from people, people that I'm I'm close to that that I didn't know this about, saying, thank you for going there because I feel like I'm not allowed to talk about what I experienced, or I don't talk to my parent right now for this reason as well. And... uh, it's nice to know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that sometimes with stories like this, maybe the fear is that they don't want to hurt their parent by speaking about yeah. it. Um, but you and your your dad are estranged. Uh, has she reached out to you since the book was released? And do you expect her to? So uh, not since the book was released, no. In the lead up, I think she saw a, just a, a review and, and she... Um, was not happy about it. And I was scared to write the book. I was scared for it to, I am scared for it to come out. And I, and I was scared, as you said, to hurt, to hurt my dad. I didn't want her to f- feel bad. Um, I didn't want to cause more pain. I didn't want to, I, I, I feel bad about it as we speak, but it, it also is the truth. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to go back and tell the full story with all of the fun that was there and all of the incredible things that my parents did, the groundbreaking journalism. And the first, you know, few chapters, I read them again now and, and I I miss it all so much. It was so much fun. It was so much fun and it reads that way and I miss everything. And in order to tell that and to be honest about the story so that one, it's you know, an interesting read, but two, I want my kids to know about who I am and where I come from and what their grandparents did. You got to be honest. 
And, and you can't sugarcoat it because sugarcoating it, it gives you a bad story. It's inauthentic and it, it, it's, it doesn't help anything. I mean, I'm, in, I'm a journalist. I'm in the business of truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I got to be honest. I got to be true. Mm-hmm. Katie, you talk about how you tried to turn the page and you go to New York. Now, I loved reading about your first experiences in news. Can you tell us about your first days at News 12 as Princess Turd? Did they really (laughs) say your boobs were too big, Katie? Yes. And it was, so I got my first job at a place called News 12 and it, the the tagline is as local as local news gets. And it was, you were a one man band or a one woman band and you were in charge of carrying your own camera. And at the time it wasn't like a little tiny thing that you see people have now. It was a giant beta cam and a giant pair of professional sticks, tripod. Um, And you would carry this around to all sorts of neighborhoods in the Bronx or Brooklyn I was assigned to mostly Brooklyn. And you'd report the story, you'd shoot the story, you'd haul the tape back to the office, you'd edit the story and um, voice it and get it on the air. And so I'm just starting out and the news director says, love you, going to hire you, You've, you've passed the test, but you can't put your face on my television. I can't have your face on my network until you do a couple things. And one of them was, your boobs are too big for your clothes. (laughs) Which at the that's time I remember face, thinking, though, that's your boobs. <laughs> you can't. He's saying you can't put it's, my. Boobs. You need to. You need to. You need to wear clothes that that better suit your boobs. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember if he said boobs or breasts or just gestured with a pencil, but the message was clear. I need to figure out a way to um, hide my boobs, I guess. <laughs> and it, you know, just imagine being a man and having someone say, "Like you got to hide that gut of yours." You know, it just doesn't happen. Um, or if it does, it shouldn't. <laughs> but I, I, there was that. And then there was also, and I hope you'll laugh at this, Alyssa. Um, he had a binder full of women. <laughs> a binder. He, it was a, it was a literal binder full of women <laughs> that he pushed across the desk, pushed across the desk. And it, it contained a bunch of glossy um, ripouts from magazines of women and, and with short hairstyles, you know, blunt bobs with stripes, highlights. And it was a whole stack of them. And he said, you have to cut your hair. Um, you, can, you can choose any of these styles. And it was all the same style. It was all blunt bob stripes. Um, and I, at the time, had like this long hair. And, and, and he said, you, know, you just gotta, you can't, you, you don't look professional with the boobs and the hair. And also, <laughs> oh, by the way, your name is not Katie. Your name is Catherine. Katie's been taken. Because at the time, Katie Kirk was on the Today Show. You can't be Katie because there's already a Katie. Uh-huh. But Katie, how are there no pictures? How is there no footage <laughs> or documentation of said Bob? Oh, no, there is. <laughs> there is. Uh, and I have it. I have it at my house. And I have my my quote unquote reels, my tapes that I had to send out to get other jobs. And they contain the short hair. I figured out the short hair as it went. It actually didn't look half bad. But the first few times, I, it was... I looked many decades older than I was. Lots of hairspray, lots of makeup. I'm a tomboy. I wore big t-shirts down to my knees. I never wore makeup. My hair was barely combed. Oh, my goodness. So it was a real change. Katie, what was the first big major news story that you covered on the ground as a correspondent? Oh, as a a network correspondent or a local correspondent? I mean, it's your story you pick. (laughs) 
as a as a local as local news correspondent, it was a um, it was a cop shot. Uh, that was my first live shot. It was, it was sad. Um, for regular local news, uh, it was a crane that had collapsed on the Upper East Side. Remember this? There was a big crane yes. that collapsed on the Upper East Side, and it went through a bunch of buildings, and there was rubble on the ground, and people were trapped, and it was it was dramatic. And in local news, you don't do wall-to-wall coverage in local news like cable. You don't just blow out everything and keep talking because it costs the network's money to, to blow out their syndicated programming. But they did it for this, and I was the only one live on the ground, and I just talked for hours. And it was amazing. <laughs> wow! And it led to some real changes in the regulations, uh, which you know, I mean, it was a tragedy. You were covering, but you were also covering the change that had to come from it. Uh, and then for for the network, Trump, yeah. <laughs> Trump, man, what a what a which is probably why you know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> What a, what a seismic event in a lot of journalists' lives. Um, sometimes looking back on the Trump presidency, I'm like, man, that was terrible for America. But how many careers was it really good for? And then I get mm-hmm. uncomfortable. And, have- and that's I mean, that's what's uncomfortable about it. I mean, journalism is is one of those careers where the worse things get, the, the, the better it is for a journalist. And that's not to say that anyone's rooting for it to get bad. Because there are a lot of cynics out there who will say, oh, journalists just want Trump back because— he was great for ratings or journalists just want terrible things to happen because they capitalize on it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a weird symbiotic relationship, but I, no one's rooting for things to go wrong. Mm-hmm. They just do go wrong and you need somebody to cover it. Yeah, I would say so. like private equity firms that are interested in buying out like media outlets who want to like pump up the value of it or maybe rooting for things to go wrong. But, you know, well, not the journalists. Well, they're the they're the they're, they're the, the bad ones. ones. Yeah, they're, they're the, the bad, bad guys. guys. Um so you're a journalist who's made it. You've had multiple books come out. You anchor your own show. You still say you deal with imposter syndrome. So uh, when you talk about coming back from maternity leave, you write, uh, not being in the mix had exacerbated my already acute worry that I was a professional fraud just waiting to be sniffed out. So do you think you'll ever get to a point where that goes away? Or does it just look different as you rise to the I top? don't know. I, I would love to talk to Barbara Walters and be like, did you ever feel, did you ever get to a point where you felt like you belonged and you'd made it? And, and I hope her answer is yes. Um, the farther I get along in this career, the more, the louder those demons get. Hmm. It's weird. Hmm. Like the more, the more successful you become, the louder the, the, the voices in your head uh, that say that everyone hates you and no one really wants you here. And they're just waiting for their opening to take you out. Oh, man. <laughs> it's sick. It's sick and it's twisted. Yeah. Um, and I wish that I could say that I have a solution for it. But it's mostly just me looking in the mirror and and telling those voices to shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's sort of like heavy metal poisoning moving up the food chain. Like the higher up the food yeah. chain you are, like the more heavy metals you have in your system. Yeah. And that is a perfect analogy. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Like I'm, a, I'm stealing it okay, from you. Okay, <laughs> fine. Um, you're like a tuna fish, essentially, swimming out here with all of the mercury because you're eating all the other little fish. Okay. Um, yeah. What besides fleeting recognition, like a bestseller or, you know, having a great show, what reminds you that you know how to do your job besides looking in the mirror? Like, are there moments on the job? Um, yeah, when, when breaking news happens. Yeah. When when things start to 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 unfold in my hour while I'm on television and we don't know much, that's when I, that's, I wanted to be a, 
a doctor for a while and I wanted to be an ER surgeon because I like, I always felt that I was best when everything was falling apart around me. I was most focused, most coherent (laughs) uh, when I was in the middle of a crisis, Hmm. which is probably has a lot to do with my childhood, I imagine. Um, And so when there's breaking news right now, I I get a rush, I get an adrenaline rush and I feel like everything switches on. Hmm. Katie, you're an L.A. native. What do you think about the state of L.A. politics? How has it changed since you lived there? Oh, it's such a good question. I um, L.A. is a strange place to me. It's always been a bit of a strange place. Um, a bit of the Wild West. And it's always had some real fundamental problems, some structural problems in terms of the haves and the have-nots, some racial issues. LA is a big melting pot, everyone says. Everyone lives in LA, but not really. I mean, LA is so segregated by neighborhood. You drive from one place to the other. You rarely stop in a neighborhood that that is not your own or not your intended destination. Um, You know, you you, you drive. It's just strange. It's a strange place. Whereas New York is a place where you can, you really do mix. It really does feel more like a melting pot because everybody gets on the subway, the Wall Street banker and, um, you know, the, the, the cashier at CVS, like everybody is on the same train. The mayor <laughs> takes the train. Um, but in Los Angeles, you don't have that. And it, you're seeing the the problems with that separation right now when it comes to the housing crisis, especially, and going back to LA and, and and seeing the number of tent cities that they're dealing with, it's strange. And it feels like a really big problem that I have yet to see anyone actually tackle. And I'm I'm always loath to trust somebody who says it's an easy fix because it I don't I'm not so sure it is. Also, like just going to places that I remember. I know Rick Caruso is running for mayor, and, and I don't, I'm not making a judgment on whether he's a good candidate. But um, <laughs> his developments are so glossy and um, so so weird to me. The Grove is is I guess cool, but I I liked the farmers market when it was a little gritty. <laughs> he went to my hometown, the Palisades, which which is a it's a nice place. It's gotten extremely wealthy since I left. I mean, I I go there and I think like, oh my god, I. I can't even go to the grocery store here. It's crazy. But they ripped up our main street in the Palisades, which had a place called Mort's Deli. It was like a cafeteria-style place where you could play, um, oh, what was that? Not that lotto game. It's like you punch in numbers, that old school game. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like Larry David used to used to film episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm in there, which just was this old retro place. Um, it was a bit run down and he ripped the whole main street out and built up this very um, pretty clean facade with a bunch of, bunch of extremely fancy stores and like a Chanel boutique. Uh, and it feels like Pleasantville. And, and I don't know. I mean, I, 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 if I were voting in Los Angeles, I think I'd, I think I would look at that and wonder what's behind it all. But again, I'm not making any judgment on Rick Russo because I don't really... I'm not in L.A. politics, and and I don't know what that city needs. I know um, it's going to be a hard-fought race between him and Karen Bass. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Katie. I moved from the neighborhood that's right by the um, the Grove, and now I live not far from the Americana, which are two Caruso developments. 
And honestly, some days I'm like, I just want to walk in a place where it's a pretend nice place. You know, like (laughs) I know that the smell of whatever pretzels is like artificial. And I know that this, you know, why are we listening to Frank Sinatra? Why is the fountain (laughs) dancing? But sometimes it's just like, I just want to live in this like acid trip version of like Main Street, like Disneyland. I I think that's totally admirable. And I'm not not saying it's wrong. I just— for me, it just feels weird going back to, to, I guess you can never go home again. I don't know. It feels weird going back to my hometown and not seeing, and just seeing this, uh, this idealized version of it. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's weird out here, Katie. I can attest to the fact that it is <laughs> weird out here. But the weather is great. It's fine. Can't beat the weather. It's fine. I smell like a foot by the end of every day because I dress for the, the cool mornings and then it's the afternoon and I'm sweaty. Um, Katie Turr, thank you so much for writing your book, uh, Rough Draft, in stores now. It's fun. It is a fun, thank you. harrowing, great memoir. It is. And for Alyssa, there's a section on fish. Oh, good. I mean, which, you know, someday, Katie, we're going to see a show together. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And I hope I hope we don't remember much of yeah, it. Yeah, please Instagram live it, though, so, like, the internet can remember whatever you No! <laughs> that defeats the whole purpose. You crazy? We're going to go in wigs and masks and just be loose. I think that'd be cool. Well, tell me about it then, Alyssa. Text me. Live text I me. promise. <laughs> um, thanks so much for joining us, Katie. And congrats on the book again. And come back again soon. Thanks so much for having me. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it good for you, great ingredients, helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. 
And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And welcome back, Alyssa. Jam-packed 200th episode. Couldn't be more. The excited. gang is, the gang is not all here because it would be just pure anarchy if we had like twelve panelists like talking. But it's feeling together. properly celebrated. We have a, an appropriately celebratory gang assembled. We do. We have a gang assembled. I also understand that we received an audio message from. The hosts of another podcast? I think Caroline has, I mean, has alluded to that. So why don't we play that now? Aaron, Alyssa, congrats on your 200th show. 200 episodes. And your 200 friends at Pod Save America. 100 episodes. That's Imagine awesome. that. Wow. That's so many episodes. And look, here's the thing. Over 200 episodes, I think we can all agree that uh, men have only gotten worse. Much worse. <laughs> yeah. Much, much worse. So there's there's more to do. Yeah. <laughs> Provably so. We need yeah. at least another 200. No one wields the C word like the host of Hysteria. On a podcast. I mean, they've brought it on our podcast too. Mm-hmm. Right, Alyssa? Mm-hmm. She's Cong- nodding somewhere. She's nodding somewhere or maybe wincing. Congrats to both of you. We're uh, so proud that you're part of Crooked Media. and um, The and funniest, smartest, greatest people we know. That's right. Congrats. Oh. I'm so glad they brought the enthusiasm they bring to the Magic Spoon ads to our 200. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, <laughs> Indeed. Cash app. We're not doing the other apps anymore. Uh, True, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, what is funny is I sense a real fear in their voices Mm. uh, over the coming matriarchy. And I would like to offer a a counter message that you men of Pod Save America will be spared the worst that we have for the other men. Fair. They will be spared. And uh, you're welcome. So are so will most of our male listeners. They're they're great dudes. We've got some great male listeners, but they're not as great as the, the women who listen to the podcast because that's just the way this all works. Um, okay, let's bring in the panel. That was a really sweet message. Um, and Alyssa wielding the c word. Come on, we've moved past that. <laughs> it's not incite the masses again. <laughs> oh man, that there was a smile and a wince at the same time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our panelists. Okay, so I'm really excited because we have three of the original panelists that have been here since the beginning, since 2018. Up first, Kieran Deal. She's going on tour in the Pacific Northwest, Vancouver on August 3rd, Seattle on August 4th, and Portland on August 5th. Kieran, four years, 200 episodes. We did it. We did it. We <laughs> didn't die. We did it. I mean, our souls died a thousand deaths. <laughs> um, we made it. We made it. We made it. Here's here's how broken my brain has become. When I was reading your intro, I was like, what month is eight? I had to, I had to, almost had to stop. And I was like, 
Okay, so July is seven. What comes after July? August is August. And it was like my, it was like the the gif of the woman trying to calculate the triangles. <laughs> I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> the Things number are going to month down. ratio. It's a, Ex- it's a tough exactly, one. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Up next, uh, Grace Para. Grace Para Jenny. Oh my gosh, you were Grace Para when we started, and now I you're was. Grace Para Jenny. And who knows what I'll be in four years? <laughs> be anything. If I could just add a new surname every four years, I think that's appropriate. That feels like the right the, the right length of time to give one surname the spotlight, and then you just attach more. You know what I mean? <laughs> Polygamy. Yes. <laughs> I'll be fine with that. Hi, guys. 200 fucking episodes. Let's go. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Feeling spicy, feeling peppery. Good. Yeah. Those are my favorite two emotions. Mm-hmm. Spicy mm-hmm. and peppery. And awake. Um, awake. Very awake. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Grace, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't drink much coffee, right? No coffee. I've got lemon and ginger and hot water in this mug that does also have my face <sighs> on it. <laughs> this is <laughs> merch. That- uh, the thin Merch. woman's elixir. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, well, Megan Gailey, you heard her voice. Megan Gailey is the host of I Love a Lifetime movie podcast with the other panelists that I'm about to introduce. Um, and she'll be emceeing Bands Off Block Party for Planned Parenthood Alliance Advocates East at the Indiana State House on July 9th. Megan, welcome. Hello. <laughs> I was, when I met that, you, yeah. when I met you, you were like planning a wedding. Yeah. And and now you're showing up late because you were pumping. Exactly. And so my reasons for being late have changed. (laughs) I I used to be late because I'm just getting my damn car late. And now I'm late because, you know, sometimes you just got to wait those extra five minutes to get that last little burst of milk. You know, the little cherry on top milk for my king. (laughs) <laughs> I saw him the other week and he was wearing nicer sneakers than I've ever owned. And that that's nothing to do with me. I don't want I don't want the fans coming after me. My husband, as as you can see, I have a vintage yes. bullets jersey behind me and then 7000 pairs of sneakers because I now have to record in my husband's office because my office is a nursery. Oh, yeah. oh, that's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of changes, a lot of, a lot lot of big of- things happening. <laughs> Last but not least, uh, it has been a while since we've had her on the show because she's so damn busy and important. Naomi Perrigan, host of Couples Therapy, co-host of I Love a Lifetime movie podcast with Megan. Um, you can see her on Netflix. I've seen some Instagrams of you and David Letterman. <laughs> yes, indeed. What? Uh, so uh, the question everyone wants to know the answer to, what is... Mabel, like in real life. <laughs> oh, my daughter. Okay, much like her mother. Standoffish. <laughs> uh, food motivated. Uh, and really likes to just lay down on promise. <laughs> I got the child I deserve. Okay. <laughs> Megan, Megan has a child in the finest sneaks. I've got a daughter who will not come when called. <laughs> and you're pumping too, Naomi, right? Yes, that's- of course. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. But that's just so I can be involved. You know what I mean? I just like to be included. There's nothing much coming out. Oh my God. <laughs> Everyone close your eyes for a visual. <laughs> so I'm really excited about 
all of us being together. Um, Naomi, I want to start with you. Like, it has sure. been, uh, I guess, we, you and I had coffee to talk about you being a part of the show back in, like, I think early 2019. We met at Bolt in East Hollywood. I said, are we going to talk about toxic white feminists? <laughs> And I said, I don't know if she liked that. <laughs> I'll never forget because I come in hot and I'm testing you. And I said, you want to have this conversation with me? This is how the conversation goes. Go. And you, I thought, were, I felt the journalist in you. I thought you had a really good neutral face and you were like, okay. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, I won't be invited to do that. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I, I think that that part of it is I have um, a guilty conscience, like, forever in my entire life. Mm. So anytime anybody brings up something that I might be involved in, like, when I would get called to the principal's office, I would be like, did I do something bad? Like, mm -hmm. every single time. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes uh, when you came in hot, I was like, first of all, I love this energy. I love uh, <laughs> I love a confrontation that is not like— I'm in trouble because I was like, I know that I'm personally not in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I am enjoying that she's just like, nope, I'm not afraid to say this to a person who is making a decision about having me on a show or not. And I was like, that's <laughs> yeah. that's excellent. That's that's great. And you've become like a fan favorite. Hysteria right. listeners love How you. Wonderful. That's I hysteria, they're too kind. You know, uh, you know, gals, I don't like mornings. So it's like, I mean, while here working and it's in the morning, we'll deal with that when we come to suggestions for the future. <laughs> but I'm not here as often as I as I should be. I'm not here as often. I'm a deadbeat dad in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know? And you're my good daughters. You're my good daughters having lemon and ginger because they know Every dad morning. likes it when they keep it tight. <laughs> Every that ended in, in an upsetting way. I know, I know. Um, so a question I'm asking uh, everybody. So like, you know, four years, uh, 200 episodes, almost four years. Um, what's something that has happened in the world that you are like, I can't believe that happened in the last four years? And what's something that you thought would happen but did not happen? Mm. Still me? Yeah, or anybody yeah, yeah, yeah. thought? Um, I cannot believe we were able to watch as as folks just stormed the Capitol <laughs> and just like watch it on TV. That's wild to me that we live in a world where that was just on television. There was a day and it was like, they storming, they climbing. That's crazy. Um, and then, uh, also, though, I'm sorry, second runner-up to Nancy Pelosi and Kente Cloth. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought we'd see Nancy kneeling in a Kente Cloth in all of my days, in all of my nights. I did not think we would bear witness to that. Um, and then <laughs> what I thought would happen. Oh, God. I don't know. I thought there'd be, like, more marches in the streets, maybe? Or a little more... I don't know. I thought, I was like, what does it take for everybody to get like Montgomery, Alabama style? You know what I'm saying? What happens to get us going? And then we scare them and they go, okay, people, we'll do what you want us to do. Do you want money? Do you want rights? We'll give them to you. And that didn't happen. Hmm. They're not scared of us anymore. By them, I mean politicians. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I feel like they're scared of us on Twitter. 
but they're not scared of us like voting. Like they're I think they're more afraid yeah. of mean tweets than they are of like angry constituents. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild to me. I don't know. I just really I'm like, huh. I thought we were supposed to have power. Mm. <sighs> but that's it. But really I'm just stuck on Nancy and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, I'm a fainter. I faint from time oh. to time. Like Whoa, yeah, when I, I have like that. a blood drawn and stuff and sometimes right before I faint I get like an unpleasant like image in my head and I feel like the next time before I faint I'm gonna picture (laughs) Nancy (laughs) I like wiped that I I it was so such a like a weird cringy moment to me that I just sort of like was like that didn't happen and now it's back in my head and it happened and I'm gonna think why did she when did she do that again Post George Floyd, um, uh, Naomi, do you want me to return the Juneteenth T-shirt I got of that image <laughs> because it's already being made? So right, 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 right. I mean, look, it is being made by a white-owned <laughs> yeah. business. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got. I made sure to buy it from a white-owned business that did gentrify a formerly black and brown neighborhood. Though <laughs> Megan doing her part, representing Indiana. <laughs> Representing Indiana for a long time, are the last home of Timothy McVeigh. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Claim to fame. Claim to fame. <laughs> um, Grace, uh, lots changed for you. What is something that's happened in the last four years that you're like, I can't believe it happened? And what's something that you thought would happen that has not happened? All right. I can't believe that a global pandemic hit this world in this timeline. I can't believe that people were readily given vaccines and said, no, thank you, sir. Not interested. (laughs) And a thing that I can't believe has not happened is Jennifer Lopez has still not won an Oscar. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys have seen or started seeing halftime, the new documentary on Netflix Mm. about Jennifer Lopez, but ooh. She's not happy about having not gotten an Oscar nom for Hustlers, which she deserved. He deserved it. Yeah. Snubbed. Snubbed. (laughs) Snubbed. Wow. So I'm just saying, if I'm going to do this for another 200 episodes, I'm going to need J-Lo to get an Oscar nom at least. Mm, (laughs) That's your crusade. That's That's what you're going to do to change the world. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I think, how can I use my platform to change the world? Advocate for Jennifer Lopez (laughs) to receive an Oscar. That's it. Grace, oh I do want to point out that the same thing happened to Will Smith when he was snubbed for an Oscar and then he won and then the world changed. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then things can yeah. really take a things can take a hard turn. If you- who would be this is this brings up an interesting question. Who would be a good Chris Rock to Will Smith in a J-Lo analogy? Like who would J-Lo slap? Mariah. Interesting. Mariah. Yeah, Mariah. 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 Uh, yeah, it would be a like, you you know me now, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. Like wow. J-Lo's speech yes. would be like, I guess everybody knows me now. And then Mariah <laughs> yeah. would storm yeah. the stage like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a January 6th rioter climbing uh-huh. up. Um, yeah, I mean, not that I want that to happen, but I don't not want that to happen. <laughs> Look, they're Um, entertainers, you know? I mean, we live (laughs) to be entertained. Um, Megan, same question for you. Like, what's something that 
has happened that's been nuts? What's something that hasn't happened that you thought would? I guess, you know, this sort of like piggybacks graces. I can't believe the amount of things I've done on a computer now. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a lactation (laughs) consultant look at my nipples on a computer. Um, I've been a part of a Zoom intervention, a Zoom bachelorette party where there was a Zoom stripper. Um, Zoom, Zoom funerals, Zoom weddings, Zoom work, just the amount of things I've done on a computer in my home, various degrees of high while doing them. Uh, (laughs) Really, I did not. I did not see this for me. And if for any of us, it feels very (laughs) Miss Havisham. Um, Like, you know, I haven't left the house, but none of us have. So we all did it on on Zoom together. But it's really... (laughs) I've been drunk in front of this computer a lot over the last four years. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's something so sad about Remember when we built, people were doing like Zoom happy hours at the beginning yeah. of the pandemic? Oh, yeah. And then we did free. one. Yeah, yeah. Right. We did. Right. We but did it was one. like a thing. We did one. Everybody, families yeah. were doing it together. And yeah. then eventually you would have like, you know, you'd be like four months in and everyone didn't have, nobody had anything to talk about anymore. I was mm-hmm. like, well, mm-hmm. your dad's growing peppers now. <laughs> I'll still do a Zoom comedy show though. I love it. I really do. Yeah. I can do comedy yeah. and I don't have to leave my house. Sign me up. Um and something I thought that would happen. I this is I hope I do not go the way of Kathy Griffin for this. I really thought someone was going to kill that motherfucker. Um and sure, I just sure. um, and, that and by that too. motherfucker I mean the last president. I just yeah. am like I cannot believe no one got his me ass. Too. I know. Yeah. I know. It was it's it seems miraculous that no presidents in the modern era post Reagan have even had a, a serious attempt on them. The like, only of, attempt of, was the president on the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just like we're not endorsing that no. obviously. It's right. just like no. it's just very surprising. During a time of like intense yeah. Uh, yeah. intense division like and guns right. and guns yeah, everywhere. Guns. Right. It's like why are we out here hurting the defenseless where there's so many people who we could be hurting instead. Again, <laughs> I'm not advocating. I'm just saying that when you have that kind of access, mm-hmm. it's just interesting where, you know, rage is directed. Yes. It's also like, why are hackers holding hospitals for ransom and not hacking the banks and just giving up, like, forgiving all the student loans? Fannie Mae, hack that bitch. Hack (laughs) hack the credit reporting bureaus and give everybody an 810. I think that would be the best possible. Look, it would cause havoc. It definitely would cause havoc if they hacked the credit reporting bureaus. Um, and uh, or erased all consumer debt or all medical debt. Like, mm-hmm. I think medical. that... Go in there for medical first. If you said we just about to shut down that medical debt. Nobody, you know why? Because no one could be mad. This no, is yeah. the part of Mr. Robot, guys. <laughs> oh. Is it? Yeah, pretty well, much. This is like, I mean, they uh, blow some stuff up, but this is, yeah... General, I don't, this is a loose brainstorm. Well, we need a we need a Ms. <laughs> robot, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With the frothy milk on top. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> That's worse than I when I call myself daddy. <laughs> this is a frothy daddy. Is it worse than when you were like, I'm not advocating for violence, but Yes. <laughs> Why would you step it out, Karen? You want to get me on a watch list. See, Karen be out here That's messy. She trying to she trying to get me on a watch I'm list. Just saying, guys, 
clip it. Clip it. <laughs> I think don't you clip a damn it. thing, but just split ends. I think <laughs> we are all on a watch list, and I yeah. think whoever is watching me is extremely bored. They're like, what? Oh, she's go- oh, she's Googling ages of consent in all 50 states. Oh, she's oh, never mind. Never mind. False alarm. She's writing a piece about how it's actually creepy that this congressperson dated their wife when she was 15. OK, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I, I imagine, Aaron, you had the baby and then they were like, pack it up, boys. <laughs> Nothing to see here anymore. Well, her titties no. are out. Circle back. Circle back. Circle back. <laughs> Um, Kieran, same question for you. What, what's changed? What hasn't changed? What's happened? What hasn't happened? I think they, I think the hysteria crew covered everything. I think Mm -hmm. we hit all of the things that, that I'm surprised by the, the fall of Netflix, (laughs) 45,000 streamers, eight, eight platforms that are controlling the media. Really fascinating to me, you know, yeah. I watch TNT meets Disney meets Marvel meets HBO Max pirate ship superheroes. Huge fan, huge fan of that. Um, I heard that was great. I it heard was, that was very great. good. It was all one. Pa- it was like a pastiche. It was kind of like the last two years. It was just a blur. It was a long, weird blur. Um, and and then I guess the other thing is I'm just uh, like the erosion of women's rights. Hilarious, yeah. Karen, really bringing the hilarity to the <laughs> to the pod. But, you know, the way like I didn't think I I didn't think that was going to happen. Legit. I didn't think that it was going to I didn't think we were going to be like a thousand steps back with Kavanaugh and then with um, and then with the uh, abortion and tampon shortages like that stuff is and the and the formulas shortages like those things are if it, it feels yeah, yeah, it yeah. feels like third world vibes yes. america is not yes. who you thought she was third yeah. world you thought you could energy. rely on her that's what we're giving yes, now. It is. yes. Yeah. yeah 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 and when yeah, you say definitely. she for america it doesn't feel accurate anymore because it feels like she <laughs> yeah. would have a tampon supply you know yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but my only pushback on that is maybe america's one of those women who's like well I went through it and I survived. So everyone else should go like a toxic female boss who's like, <laughs> I had to yeah. prove myself. And so you guys have to go through this, too. Well, that is what America runs on, right? The whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If it's hard, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. That's always been America's brand. Well, okay? Very Kim Kardashian. Get up and work. Yeah, <laughs> we all know it's true. Bootstraps are the way that people make money. I think America's attitude is the problem is you didn't want it badly enough. You didn't want that formula badly enough. You didn't work hard enough for it. Just try a little bit harder next time, Hillary Clinton, if you want to get elected. Why can't you just make the formula? Yes. Make it out of your breath. Yep. What's wrong with <laughs> yeah. you? Your whole point is being a broodmare. Why can't you make it out of your breath? Here's the thing like, about that, Jesus. though. Like that, that, uh, and Alyssa and I have talked about this. Uh, about, I, I know you have. I know. Oh, you no, no, have. no. I was going to say what that betrays is a complete ignorance for how the female body works. And these people yeah. are so proud. They're so proud <laughs> that they've never found the clitoris, and it's obvious. Like they're so <laughs> proud of it, and it's it's crazy to me. I've learned how little people who really should know better 
know yeah. about what it is to be female or female identifying. It's like not even pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's pull yourself up by your bra straps. And that doesn't even make sense. Like your there it is, right? Up. That's the next book, Aaron. Like, That's the next book. <laughs> next book. I got to write one book first. <laughs> um, yeah. And but Naomi sees a Aaron, she has a vision for you though she yeah. has a plan. Well, I mean, I think the difference is like I think by your bra straps because I in my head my first thought was by your boob straps, oh. and that's Ooh. why I can't strap. appeal to a higher level audience. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'm not appealing to that consumer because, because I'm over here saying boob straps and boob straps and strap. not a thing, not a thing. Boob straps, <laughs> is you don't know my body. That's true. You don't know my life. Yeah, not today. <laughs> <laughs> what if we did start calling bras boob straps? Yeah. Alyssa, what are your thoughts it on would, that? <laughs> it would make a lot more sense. I mean, what else are, I mean, this is, see guys, since, since COVID, I only wear sports bras. Yes. So <laughs> the boobs, it really does feel like these are just boob straps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, same question for you. What is something that has happened in the last four years that like you were like, holy shit. And what's something that you felt would happen, but didn't. Okay. So something that happened that I was like, holy shit, guys, I have uh, been a public servant many years of my life. Never did I ever. COVID may have been crazy. The craziest part of COVID. I mean, deaths aside. Okay, like, just stipulate. But um, the president of the United States telling us to inject bleach. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Good moment. Good moment. Told us. With a straight face, yeah. okay, in the yep. White House yep. briefing room, had a real moment where he was like, I think I'm going to win the Nobel Prize right now. I think <laughs> I just came up with the best idea. <laughs> I am standing here watching as Dr. Fauci and, and Deborah Burks are getting diarrhea. I mean, it was happening. <laughs> they were sitting there like, I can't believe what I'm going to have to deal with in about 10 minutes. And he oh. was like, you know, if we white bleach on things, we put it in our veins, I bet it would kill it too. I mean, you guys, that is really yeah. something yeah. we cannot overlook. Right, He's right, right, the right, commander right. in chief and was like, bleach, yeah. it's what's bleach. for dinner. <laughs> Do we think Big Bleach was behind that movement? Is it possible? I think Big Bleach was horrified. I, I mean, <laughs> Clorox put out a statement. Clorox yeah. was like, oh, hey, oh. Hey, hey, yeah, hey. Okay, all right. Don't Clorox do yeah, yeah, yeah. put out a statement. <laughs> they did. Like, they did. The, every once in a while, there'll be a sentence that comes out of somebody's mouth, and I'm like, yes, of course, this is a thing that happened. But then I'll like black out for a second and be like, ugh. What? Clorox put they out were a like, statement. Don't ingest. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't ingest. Yeah. That's like. Another politician definitely wrote, I can't believe I have to say this. Don't put bleach but. in your body. Yeah, don't yeah. put bleach don't in your body. I think Fauci, too, is like, it's, I forgot that. I, I, I blacked but. out about the whole, that and the, the, the Nancy Pelosi on the ground kneeling. The, the, those, those had left, those had left me. Look, Nancy then, Pelosi, one of the the most brilliant legislators of all of American history, not but also also just not cool. Ooh, she made not, a cameo on Drag Race this past week. Uh-uh. Saw that. Saw that. What, what? was a cringy? <laughs> <laughs> and it was well, long. It was long. Props Reenactment. Reenactment. Yeah, Reenactment. No, it, Megan. She's also she just go like this. 
Oh, no, but that's like kind of the only nice, like as someone, one of the queens finally was like, when you clapped, that was iconic. Like, it was like, what do we tell this bitch? You know, like, <laughs> right. how do you tell her, like, why is she here? Why didn't you right. go to Fyro? You know, like there was a lot of, <laughs> there were a lot of questions, but they were like, the clap was great, Nance. And she said, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay. So uh, what's something, Alyssa, that you thought would happen that did not Oh, happen? something I thought that would happen was, you guys, I survived two years in lockdown with just my hubs and I only ended up with three cats. I thought there was going to be a lot more <laughs> as we come out this side. That late night pet finder Instagram oh, yeah. scrolling of all the little furry people that need homes. Uh, yeah, I thought that I would have ended up with, uh, I, I thought I'd have more of a house full at this point, but knock wood, thank God I didn't because the relationship between Tiny Winky Butt and Norm is more than this mom can take. <laughs> Midge rises above it all, but those two are fucking nuts. I had to pull the tiny baby cat, who my husband calls a deranged cuckoo bird. Um <laughs> She doesn't understand that most of the bugs are on the outside of the window. So uh, I found her like Garfield. You know how Garfield's stuck to the back of a car? She was stuck to the screen. She was stuck to the screen. (gasps) No way. And she's got this fun deranged cuckoo bird noise. She goes, "Eh, eh." And I was like, oh, shit, what is that? Just tiny cats stuck to the screen. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She's cute. Alyssa, did you see yourself becoming such a farmer? Yes. You know, did you jam see yourself? Queen, queen yeah, of great. the jam. I was going to ask about yeah. the jam. Guys, I think it was always deep down in my DNA. Like, sure. I tried to be a city cat. I tried to be a city cat, but I'm just a country cat. You're a country okay? cat. You're a country <laughs> and cat so country. I think in the next four years, let's just track me and see if I can fully realize the Diane Keaton baby, baby boom. boom. Yes. yes. Like... <laughs> Is there a country baby cat in my future? You've realized it. You've realized it. We'll see, Megan. It all comes down to, oh, wait, I have to tell you guys, update. I don't know if I said this last week, but I found out that I said I was going to enter the jam in the county fair. And I heard that one of the county fairs in the area is rigged. (gasps) No. What? What? Heard it from one of my faves at the farm stand. And she was like, I don't, she's like, I don't want you to enter into this county's, into this specific county's fair because I, I sense this is, you guys, I mean, if this is any window into what my past few years have been, the woman who runs the farm stand wanted to have an intervention with me because she's like, I feel like you're sensitive and it would really hit you hard if you, wow. if you just like didn't even place. And I was like, wow, I think I talk too much when I come here, but <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Alyssa's like, hey, guess what? I got drafted by the Washington Generals. I think we got a shot at taking the championship this year. Our fir- our entire schedule is against the Harlem Globetrotters. I think we're going to win it all. Um, the Harlem Globetrotters cheat, and it's fun. Um, it's- so, uh, yeah, I-, I would just real quick before we take a break and get to I Feel Petty, because we've got some, I would say like some of the most petty people I know that, and I'm proud mm. to say that have gathered here today on this very podcast. And I want to give us the space to do it. Um, something that I, that really surprised me about the last four years. Um, I think global pandemic was the thing uh, where it was just like, Oh, you know, we we got shut inside for a long time and we all kind of fell into our most strange behaviors. And, 
you know, I spend a lot of time like puttering around in my yard trying to see what I can grow now. And it's very weird. Um, I have a baby. That's weird. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's just it's very weird. I'm a married woman with a child. It's, it's like I didn't even need a license. To, I didn't even need to like do a test. They just give you can just grow it and then they let you keep it. And it's like, what? It's very. And they don't like check in with you and say like, hey, are you doing okay? Like you just left your own no. device. Well, there's no. like a little questionnaire. There's a questionnaire. Oh, okay. Have you, do you cry every day? And you yeah. mark and yes or no. If you answer that question, honestly, they give you. Um, the baby back. They, yeah. They, they, <laughs> no, if you answer that question, honestly, they, they give you a really uh, strong prescription for uh, antidepressants mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that you are allowed to take when you're breastfeeding. I and, learned. And to um, be clear, to be clear, that whole thing is for now. For now, there's for no now. Test, right. and they for won't now. take your baby away. But that's for now. We we're going yeah. backwards yeah. in time. So good point, Karen. <laughs> in four yeah. years, there might be a few more quizzes. Yeah, yeah. Do you take your baby to a mega church every week? No. Well, these people will. Um, yeah, that's that's the dark future that we're moving toward. Um, so something that I did think would happen, and this is going to sound very morbid, and it's like ending on a down note, but I did think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg would die. Like at the beginning of when we started recording the podcast, she was old and she had had yeah. uh, some some you know battles with cancer. And I knew that the woman was tough as nails and, and sharp as a tack, but she was getting old. And I was like, everything that can go wrong will. And this is something that could go very wrong. But I did not expect it to go to be as wrong as it was and, and catastrophic as it was. So, you know, here's hoping for some kind of reverse catastrophe that can set us back on the right course. Um, yeah. Reverse catastrophe. Is that what you're calling a good thing? Yes. <laughs> Just reverse yes. catastrophe. Yeah. It's, like a moon, it's like a catastrophe that like moonwalks. It's like, here I am. Oh, cool. Well, that was that was the that was a catastrophe, but it fixed a bunch of stuff. <laughs> OK, we have to take a break. But before we do that, we received a message today from one of Hysteria's biggest heroes, a.k.a. Jerry herself. Let's take a listen. Hello, Jay Smith Cameron here. I want to congratulate you guys on 200 episodes of Hysteria. That's amazing. Um, You guys are the best. And listen, I want you to put me down. When you get to the 250th episode, it's going to be me interviewing Aaron and Alyssa, okay? I really want to do that. (laughs) I said it when I was on the show, and I want to do that, okay? Congratulations, you guys. You're the best. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop.
Welcome back to the 200th episode of Hysteria. We have an epic I feel petty to get to, but before we do that, a little bit of housekeeping. The 2022 midterms are our chance to defeat insurrectionists and anti-democratic MAGA Republicans from winning the offices that would enable them to run the January 6th playbook during the 2024 election but successfully this time. Sign up for our Midterm Madness program and we'll send you one action you can take every week to elect pro-democracy progressives in your region. Crooked will be doing a live group thread each day of the January 6th hearings on our YouTube channel with hosts from across the network. Head to youtube.com slash crookedmedia to watch. Listen to What A Day weekday mornings for the latest news and commentary on the hearings available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, the house has been kept. Naomi, what are you feeling petty about this week? Why do I have to get referrals to go to any medical professional that I actually need? This is working my nerve, okay? <laughs> because I have to schlep all the way to the west side, because that's apparently where the good doctors are <laughs> in Los Angeles, okay? And I live on the east, so that's a production. I don't know if because I feel like New York is a war zone. Doctors have seen so much that even like, you know what I mean? Even your GP is like, okay, I, I think this is something else. Whereas here in LA, they're like, I don't know. You should go to a specialist. Why couldn't you have just given me that information? I will send you pictures, honey. I will send you an email. Go, this is my situation. Will you give me the required specialist? And my insurance requires a specialist. The insurance requires it. I can't just go to the specialist or else the insurance is like, we ain't covering that. Who you think you are? Who do I think I am? I think I'm somebody who's trying to live. <laughs> okay? I'm trying to live and economize my time in this life. And they insist on making you go from one and then the other. And you know these specialists be out here working two days a week. You know they work four hours a day. Yeah. You got to wait like a month. Yeah. Okay? I'm out here trying to deal with the fact that my bladder will not fully empty. And they're like, all right, come back in a month. <laughs> I said, what am I going to do till then? <laughs> Keep pressing on it with my hand? That's what I'm doing. And that's just a personal issue. Any any, any doctors on his, listening to this area, which I'm sure there are many. I have a suggestion. Tell me. Kieran played a doctor on television. Oh, yes. I was going to say, I could actually consult on this. I felt yes! I actually felt highly qualified. I was like, Oh, yeah. No, I know about these hours. I've personally kept these hours. I do it with my okay. own, like, you know, live work balance. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just why I'm not further along because I too work <laughs> two days a week from nine yep. to se- nine to two, but like yep, with yep. a break from 12 to 115 for lunch. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, you yeah, come yeah. at 201 or 147, I'm not going to see you. Uh, luckily, no, no. you are on the podcast today. So, um, you know, officially what I've learned just um, from my own research on WebMD and whatnot, and from my time <laughs> as a doctor on television, which is essentially a qualification along with my Indian heritage is that is. you, yes, which is pretty much you're welcome. Um, you got to keep pressing on it. There's no solutions. Okay. There's cool. no solutions. Cool. Uh, cool. God can't fix it, and neither can okay. science. There's no okay. answers. Um, drink okay. more water. Here, what about bleach? Is yeah. bleach an option? Bleach is not an option. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I'll consult with my friend, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> well, Megan, you started this I off. Know. <laughs> it's time for me to go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Um, I hope that you your bladder and you figure it out, Naomi. We'll figure it out. Just get me a dig specialist who I can see. You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah, hate the yeah. extra steps. I think we can all agree the extra steps are really annoying. 
and totally. rude. And I almost think it's like they want it to be difficult so that you give up. Exactly. Exactly. I think Grace has had a similar petty experience, but like it's with insurance, getting insurance to do anything. Oh, yeah. You have to spend like half an hour being like, hey, I need this thing my doctor says I need. And they're yeah. like, no, we don't think you do. We've never met you, but we don't think you need that. Nope. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. The audacity. The audacity. I I think I said on the phone to insurance company like last week, I was like, I think I'm going to give up. And the lady, she got really upset. She goes, well, don't give up. (laughs) (laughs) And it was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. That's weird. That's weird that that happened. Um, Grace, what are you feeling petty about this week? You know, it's not dissimilar to what Naomi's talking about here, but I'll tell you what it's applicable to. Not so much doctors and referrals as the housing market, because I am like many very uh, dumb Americans right now trying to find a house. And it is a disaster in a lot of different ways. But the funniest, most fucked up thing is when you make an offer and then you have to counter. And there's no guidelines for how much you counter. And everyone's just making it up. And that's when you realize it's all made up. It's a construct. It's a construct. It's a construct. And you have your agent who's telling you, okay, well, you can go a little bit higher, but not too high because, you know, we hear that there's three other people who have offers in, but one of them they really like and one of them they really don't. So don't go nuts with it, but you do want to, you know, a show of good faith. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? All of this is made up. All of this is made up. It's so frustrating. Nobody knows anything. Truly, nobody knows how much houses cost. Truly, the same house today costs like $500,000 less six months ago for no reason. For no reason. It's all made up. And the fact that we're all just buying into it like it's some sort of fairy tale is hilarious to me. If well, it would be hilarious if I wasn't trying to find a house to um live in because it really would be fun. <laughs> Yeah. The sad reality is some of these people, it is a fairy tale for them because yeah. they have generational wealth. Yes. And to them, I yes. say, suck my dick, please. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I I will say it makes me so happy to hear you sound like me. This is something I didn't think I would hear. You're like, it's a construct, and I'm just here nodding. It's a it's all a construct. It it's is. all made up, and I'm like, it's it all is. fake. It's, it's all, all fake. fake. The funniest thing too is like we're all getting these huge huge loans from banks, like. I don't know how much I can pay because it's all fake money to me. None of yeah. it's real. I don't have all this money to begin well, with. Hurry up before the Fed hikes rates. Yeah, I know. Seventy-five basis points today, guys. Today, Seventy-five yes. basis points today. Yeah, we're uh, sleepless nights over here at Parajani HQ over this. Yeah, it's uh, it's stressful, it's, and that's not petty at all, Grace. But I will allow it because thank you. You're, you're, you've got seniority on the show. Thank you uh, so much, oh, Alyssa. What are you feeling petty about this week? You guys, here's what I'm feeling petty about. So I saw this on Twitter, but it's really sort of. It's really taken hold. Someone tweeted, this is what the tweet was. When you say, quote, are you free for a call sometime, unquote, the, quote, I'm free right now, people, are absolute chaos. (laughs) No, no, that's absolutely wrong. If you text me, hey, are you free for a call sometime? What's the response? No, like sometimes, of course I'm free. I'm calling you fucking now because now I'm worried about what you want to talk to me about. Either you want something from me and I want to get it out of the way or something's wrong and I need to know right now. I'm not wasting my emotional bandwidth on worrying about why you need to talk to me because currently I don't need to talk to you. 
So <laughs> you need something from me. And so let's just get it over with right now. And if you're going to text me some such nonsense, which we all get, I'm sure. I get this quite a lot. And I am the nightmare because I will just call you up. The only thing I will say is okay is I will text, for example, my sister and be like, sis, I'm calling you and nothing's wrong because we will text so much that when you call someone like out of the blue sometime, but it's like, if you want to be like, Hey, I want to talk to you. Nothing's wrong. I just need your advice or something. That's fine. But if you just send some fucking vague bullshit like that, I'm 100% showing up on your phone in 10 seconds. Like, Hey, what's up? That's it. That's what I have to say. And I'm not chaotic because of it. Okay. I'm not Mm -hmm. chaotic. I am uh, thoughtful and uh, have a stomach that's triggered by anxiety. Do you know what, I, what I'd like to add to that, because I agree completely, is that I think there is a PEMDAS. Yes, PEMDAS as in from our math class back in eighth grade, parentheses, <laughs> exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. There's a PEMDAS to how you reach out to people via phone. If you need to talk to them on the phone, you can call them immediately. Just call them, okay? If they don't pick up, you send a text message saying, hey, just called yes. you, wanted to talk about X thing, Give me a call when you can. That's wow. the correct yes. order of operation. Wow. That is correct. That is correct. That is great. Everyone mm-hmm. should follow what Grace said. That mm-hmm. sounded good. The call mm-hmm. first, the call first, then the text message after. Yeah, no voice mm-hmm. message, no voice message necessary. Just oh, no voicemail. No voicemail. No. Could I go with my petty now? Is Because I yeah. think it's going to dovetail yes. onto Alyssa's. Just I didn't know yes. what I was going to do, but it's going to dovetail. Bring calling back. Let's live like we are in 1997 or 1992. Bring the phone call back. People use their phones as computers. They Mm -hmm. use them as tiny hand computers. And like they never, (laughs) they never call. They never call. And Megan Gailey, um, you know, I just remember the one time I called you. I remember seeing you. Do you remember this? Like, because it is seared in my memory. It is seared in my memory. I called you. You did not call me back. I saw you going into the elevator at Crooked Media. And I go, hey, I called you. And you looked at me and you're like, only my mother calls me. (laughs) And then you stepped into the elevator, right? And I don't even think I went in after that. I I was like, good God damn. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, it was like, and it was, it, and the look of true disgust in your face <laughs> was really, honestly, listen, it just makes you a woman of the times. It's like, it's not just you. If you call people today, if you call people, people think you're a sociopath. I've yeah. talked on the telephone with Grace Para. I've had a lovely conversation on the telephone, like with her, like windy cord with Michaela Watkins. I love a phone call. I love a phone call. I love the voice. I love, it's better than the voice memo to me because then we get to have an interaction. It feels intimate. I love it. I miss it. I miss it. I don't like the words on the screen. Um, I prefer a voice in my ear if there's going to be some sort of a conversation, but it's not, it's not of the time. It feels, I think Megan's correct that to a lot of people that feels bizarrely intimate. Like who the fuck mm-hmm. do you think you are? Like truly. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame you. I blame myself. This may even be more <laughs> chaos is that I would prefer a FaceTime to a phone call. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's really That's madness. Megan. That's madness. I'm for it. That's, That's okay. I'm for it. It's madness. I just think it's like fun. And here's, here's the thing about <laughs> FaceTime, too. I feel like you don't ever deliver bad news via FaceTime. So if you're getting a FaceTime, it's Good like point. a jovial, fun, sort of like, mm. hey, yeah. how are you? Oh, yeah. Nobody's going to FaceTime you and be like, hey. Um, so. 
So, so. Uh, yeah, bad yeah. news. You're yeah. fired. Uh, yeah, right. But it's been real. And uh, now can I see your boob? <laughs> <laughs> okay uh there's a there i feel like the the wars over pr- appropriate phone communication will be ongoing for the next four years next yeah. 200 episodes for <laughs> sure um here's what i'm feeling petty about this week lawns mm. we should get rid of them lawns and by lawns i mean like a big grassy expanse where everything is green and mowed to exactly the same length mm. i think big lawn is a conspiracy by uh, the boomer generation and the greatest generation in order to convince us that we need to be creating an artificial ecosystem in our front yard, buy expensive equipment to maintain it, use a ton of water in order to create an illusion of like, this is how it looks. And it's also sort of like a, it's, it's like a class signifier that we don't need. It robs pollinators of things to pollinate. Um, I and you know here in LA we're have, we're facing a huge water shortage because we're we're in the middle of a super drought, and that means that you can't water outdoors. Um, I think you get two days a week to water outdoors, and that's not enough to keep a lot of lawns alive. Uh, it's not enough to keep a lot of golf courses alive. But here's the thing: you can have a lawn that you can run around on and play on, and not have it be made of grass that you need to mow and water constantly. Did you know that grass lawns use more water? Than swimming pools. No, you. Yeah, I know that from you. Yeah, I think so. Tell us this. You have a swimming pool in your yard. It uses less, and you keep it full, and you cover it uh, at night to prevent evaporation, and you like you know filter it or whatever. It uses less water (gasps) than having a a big grassy expanse. So here's the thing. There are uh, there's a no lawn movement that's been going on for quite some time, but I think it's been picking up speed recently because of like the drought of it all. Um, If you are somebody who is kind of tired of mowing your lawn or like having a green lawn or you're facing like a a water restrictions and your lawn's going to die, there's tons of alternative ground cover that you can use. Clover is actually good for the soil. It doesn't grow that big. Um, When you're seeding it, it requires a lot of water. But if you seed it at the right time of the year, you can get it going and like it's a great like sustainable alternative in a lot of places. There's like succulent ground cover that actually doesn't require very much water at all. Anyway, I just think that the the grassy lawn is it, it's got to go. It's mm-hmm. it's got to go. We don't we shouldn't be mowing our lawns. We should be feeding butterflies and bees and pollinators and uh, yeah, that's how, how I feel, feel about, about astroturf. Is that is that a good a good option? I love I it. I think it's cool. Yeah, okay. I think that's fine. I think it's fun. And uh, then there's yeah. not like bugs crawling mm-hmm. into yeah. your romper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if, if you want I a place to like, so you're still outside. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's you, you're like picturing the bee. Yeah, you're sitting crisscross applesauce, and sure, then a ladybug sure. all up there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, I'm deep into the no lawn movement website now. These are yeah. very informative. Uh, yes. I mean, one was about health insurance. One was about housing prices. One was about sustainable lawn movements. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I was bitching. I have calls. a, I have a, Me I think too. I have a fully petty okay, one. Megan, you can close us off with your fully petty. I feel petty. Okay. So there was a, um, a horrific near catastrophe, uh, hate crime of these, white supremacists that had a U-Haul and all their, you know, fake G.I. Joe shit um, that were about to wreak havoc and and kill people out of Pride Parade. Horrible. And 
the police stopped them an eighth of a mile away, which it's like, I think you could have gotten them sooner. But the mugshots of these men have been released. And these <laughs> dudes are some... <laughs> <laughs> like I am talking not even like you know when you see someone you're like that's a regular that's an ugly person that's a regular ugly M- mutants we are talking under the bridge trolls and then there was one guy that was like kind of hot actually and it's like what are you doing there sir you know like you you're in Idaho you have prospects there's people that want to have sex with you and you're next to this like toad of a man who looks like he came out of the ground. Mm -hmm. You got to go find some pussy and you got to leave this to the uggos because it is, Oh my God. Like uh, there was, there were some of the faces that I was like, I get why you're angry, (laughs) but you're you've directed it at the wrong people. Uh You know, you, you're, you're taking, you need to take this out on maybe your mom for drinking while she was pregnant with you. (laughs) Um, Maybe your mom for smoking cigarettes and or crack while she was pregnant with you you're directing your rage in the wrong in the wrong place and maybe we need to bring back the swan and and that is gonna be just sort of like botched but like for faces that haven't been touched Mm -hmm. by plastic surgery by faces that nature has botched and we fix them and then maybe they don't want to blow up pride parades anymore. I do think that it, it, I mean, it's always ironic and I'm not the only one to point this out, but it is always ironic that the people who are like white supremacy, rah, rah, are like, it's like, you think that is a genetic superiority? I'm sorry. Um, Also, like, I think that having a shitty belief system makes like contributes to people having like yeah like they're 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 Mm. ugly on the inside and we know that they're ugly on the inside and also you know I would I would tag onto that and say you know when I was watching the January 6th footage during the hearings my first thought was like none of these people know how to wash their ass None yeah. of them. Yes. Yeah. You have said that and, before and that's a yeah, hard agree. They don't look, and, the I, and thing, it's like not even just like, it's not even like, I think just to kind of couch what you're saying, Megan, like, I think that it's like not even that nature has botched. It's like they, people don't even have enough respect for themselves and the people around them to, to have basic ugh, hygienic practices, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and like, that's, that to me is like where it sort of originates, but. And, and. Honestly, washing your ass feels good. It does not feel good to have poop in your butthole sticking out. So let's wash the booties. Let's get a skincare regimen. Let's trim the beard that dips in your potato salad. And let's see if maybe that can make the country better. I don't, it just says like a starting point. Right. There's so many things. There's so many tasks that they should have completed that were basic self-maintenance tasks before they even thought about renting a U-Haul. Yeah. It's yeah. like. Exactly. You know, now, quick question, just a tag, and I'm genuinely curious. What about very hot people who are very evil? How yeah. do we justify that? They might not be like that. There was that one guy. You said people want to have sex with him. There was so it's one like, guy. Well, and, and I'm saying Idaho sure. hot. Sure. Um, you know, and and I and I say that as someone who grew up Indiana hot, you know, like <laughs> I, I, he could have come out here and maybe been in some sort of um, PTSD sure. military film. An improv group, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You would see. He okay. had a groundling. All face, I'm saying is sure. hot people can be evil, too. Right. 
I mean, is that true? Yes. Is that fair? Definitely. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. But I think once I know somebody is evil, it makes it. Un- they're not hot. They're, they're not hot. hot. Exactly. It takes away the, it's hot. Like the hot yes. evil. Yeah. From- right. Like name a hot person who's evil. You can't think of one. <laughs> the My Pillow guy. <laughs> Hammer. Oh, Army Hammer. Hammer's good. Army Hammer's Army. good. Yeah. But he's not. Yeah. See, but I don't think he's hot. Oh, right. I feel like there's a kindness that registers on like a good person's face. And it doesn't really matter how like symmetrical or whatever they are. Yeah. Like there's yeah. like no. totally something agree. very like beautiful and warm and compelling about it. The face of a person mm-hmm. who's genuinely kind. And there's something like cold and like robotic and Bad yeah. about a person who is evil. Alyssa, Kyle you're... Rittenhouse. Yeah, there you go. What? Right? I'm no, I'm not. No, he's not. No, I'm just saying that. Like, <laughs> he's he's kind of like looks like a Smurf elf. Like, if you didn't know he was evil, you'd think he's someone who sells Christmas trees on sure. the street. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look at him. Maybe he has a little scarf on, but he's but not. Those eyes. He's a bad, yeah. bad person, right? Because yeah. it comes out. I do think there's an overlap between big Christmas and and like evil. I, I hate to say it because I love Christmas, but there is a Venn diagram intersection between people who love Christmas like a lot and who are like very, very evil. Mm. And I love Christmas a lot, but I'm not. Look, I'll point them out to you, Alyssa, as we get into the holidays. You mean people who are like, let us say Christmas. Those yeah. people. Oh, those people. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Starbucks cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah copy yeah. that, copy that. Right, right. It's like a Disney I was just going to say Disney People adults. who use Christmas to be like, you should be Christian. Right, yeah, right, right. Christmas. Right, right. Yeah, right. Christmas. Copy that. You can't have the Christmas exactly. without the Christ. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe right, we except need to, you can ahead. at Hallmark. <laughs> Maybe we need to see more ugly heroes in Disney. That would movies. be helpful. Um, yeah. Because it's, in, in it's yeah. you know. But we the, wouldn't think they were ugly. Then you would think they, they were beautiful. Were heroes. But it's like right, I'm saying maybe see? non-conventionally attractive people or like non like whatever you think of the Disney princess as like whatever that is with like the really big almond eyes and like the really yeah. whatever all the, the yeah. that. It's like what if we start to make that less conventional and then those people, you know, and then people feel seen because you don't want erasure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm sure. saying? You don't want erasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. This petty's gone deep. I didn't mean it. I'm so Where's sorry. Where's our so Steve Buscemi <laughs> Disney princess movie? That's what we're all looking for. Yes. 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 That's right. Yes. That's exactly what I'm. T- that is. Thank you. Thank you for putting words to my. I got you. Someone who's hot, too. It's like Steve Buscemi is like not hot, but yeah. like he is. Yeah, hot. absolutely. Yeah. You get it? I get it. You need to write, especially in Armageddon, a book on this, uh, Megan, because I feel like it's a very, like, it could be a very long and nuanced theory. And I just want, I just want to hear all the, all the things you have to say about it. Um, all right. You got a book to work on? Bra yeah. straps and I got boob straps, boob straps. And you have, and you have, uh, you have uggos. Colon, an yeah. American tale. Well, Crooked yeah. Media does have a new uh, book imprint, so maybe we can hey. do the two first books published under the Crooked Media book imprint. Um, okay, gosh, we are uh, out of time on this 200th episode. Here's to 200 more. I haven't heard anything about the show stopping, and I think they're just going to make us keep doing it until one of us falls over, Alyssa. Great. Um, Thank you to uh, the gang for hanging out. Naomi Ekparrigan, thank you so much for coming by. Grace Parajani, thank you so much for being a part of the show from the beginning. Kieran Deal, same thing. Megan Gailey, oh my goodness. I still remember the first day that I met 
all of you. And uh, it's it's cool that we've all kind of known each other for these last four years, these 200 episodes. I think the show is very special. I think you are all really great. Also want to thank Katie Turr for stopping by and writing a wild, amazing, great memoir, Rough Draft. Um, I want to list some of the people who have been on the show more than two or three times. Karen Bass, running for mayor in, wow. in L.A. Uh, I will be voting for her. Amy Klobuchar, yes. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Senator Maisie Hirono. Akila Hughes has been on this show a bunch of times. She's basically an honorary member of the crew. Dr. Heather Irabunda, Kim Kelly, Shannon Watts, Priyanka Arabindi of Crooked Media, Francesca Fiorentini, Rebecca Nagel, Shaniqua McClendon of Crooked Media, like always an MVP whenever she comes by, Pramila Jayapal, Tammy Baldwin, Rosa DeLauro. This is like... I want to have star. a party yeah. with these people. Yes, yes, yes. And thank you, especially to Alyssa Mastermonico for being my ride or die for this whole time since before the show existed. Aaron, look, it has always been sad that we are separated by many thousand miles between uh, New York and L.A., but... You're the fucking best, dude. Like, you are the best. This show is the best. It got us all through being able to see all these faces, especially yours. And our text chains, they're epic. And uh, 200 more. Incredibly epic. Um, I really hope that they are never hacked by an evil hacker and released. Because <laughs> while they are very funny, they do get somewhat saucy. 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 Yeah. Saucy. Um, also want us to throw a special shout out to our listeners. I yes. think that you all are the absolute best. And that is not, that is no cap as a member of Gen Z would say <laughs> is no cap. Um, you know, you, you come to the, to the comedy shows of our panelists, mm -hmm. of our co-hosts, and like, you're so supportive and cool. Like the messages we get from you all are just so nice even when you're mad at us helpful. you guys are just helpful uh you're smart you're kind you care um and it's just been such an honor to make all of these shows for you and to know that on the other end the people who are listening are in the same place that you know Alyssa you and I are like emotionally yes. what we want for our country um the way we care about other people i just think it is heartening to know that there are so many of you out there and uh, we look forward to making 200 more shows. And seriously, I'll keep doing it until I can't do it anymore. So same. Um, yeah, you're you're not going to you're it's going to be a long time before you don't have me to kick around, basically. Um, thank you so much for listening. And there will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers. And our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote.